Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and recently I had the opportunity to go down to Woking with Tim Lobb of Lobb and Partners and Patrick Forbes from The Preferred Lie. We played some foursomes around Woking with Patrick's brother-in-law Alex. It was a fantastic day out. And we had the opportunity afterwards to sit down with Tim and Patrick and record a very quick podcast. We the bar lady down at Woking was very kind and allowed us to stay stay behind and, and do our podcast when she was supposed to be closing. So we had to kind of make it short and sharp. But we did record the podcast and we we're able to bring it to you and I, I hope you enjoy. Watch this. So we're here with uh, Patrick Forbes and Tim Lobb, two people from different sides of the world doing different sorts of things. Uh, Patrick, I'll start with you. How did you uh, tell us about Preferred Lie, how this all came about and what sort of brought you to, to the UK? And then Tim will talk about how, he, how he, we've got you involved here. So, yeah, tell us about Preferred Lie. What is Preferred Lie? Before we even go there, I think I should thank you guys for letting us take it to the 16th hole today. I thought we were going to oh, be... I wasn't going to mention it. <laughs> I thought we were going to be dormy through nine, so it's Tim, just a Tim, treat to make it to 16. Tim 16th. got off hot, for sure. He was uh, yeah, the putter guy. You guys are... Your combined cap of what? 14? Uh, combined, yeah. Four, half, 12? seven, yeah. So five and eight. And you were level through eight holes on alternate shot. Yeah. We had no chance today. Well, Tim, Tim, Tim played well. We we all played managed well. to keep us in the uh, in the game. But one of the few architects I've met that likes to game his ball around and hustle people while he's doing it. So thanks for with, that, Tim. With you know, a I was, smile I'm on glad his I face. Thought he's got a huge grin on his face. Well, Patrick, go on, keep going, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to my golf in a minute. So yeah, so yeah, we've just. We're, we're, I should caveat it. We're sat uh, in the working. The wonderful working golf club in the clubhouse. Um, they've let us stay inside a little bit longer. To it's really chat. busy here right now, too. There's absolutely no one here. And um, and yeah, it was great meeting you guys today and finding out about preferred life. We've, we've you've messaged Sam a few times on Instagram, and we kind of cross over a, f- a few bits. You do video things as well, but it's not all you do. So tell us about tell us about preferred life. Yeah, I think it starts from a place of when we first started traveling to to play golf or playing golf tournaments around North America, finding out which local qualifier to go to, you end up doing, you know, a ton of research on golf courses and eventually you get to a place where you realize what other people think about golf courses isn't always what you might perceive as you play the golf course. So really we're trying to build software around uh, personalized golf course rankings. So that's really what it comes down to. I so think an online platform. Yeah, an online platform. So if you go to app.preferredlie.com, you can create an account and you can save courses to your wish list. Similar to Airbnb, you can watch videos of great golf content producers, similar to Netflix. So there's you know No Lang Up, Cookie Jar, Eric Anders Lang. There's so many great golf content producers these days. Um, so we're trying to uh, do our best to showcase those those great pieces of content and you create your own video work yourself as well yeah no sort of a secondary piece to the concept of the preferred lie we never envisioned uh creating content none of us are filmmakers unlike yourself 
uh, so we do a half-ass job of putting videos together, but uh, we have a ton of fun doing it. Uh, you know, the company, it, it, we officially incorporated um, a year and a half ago. Um, it's with two of my cousins and two former college golf teammates. So we got three Forbeses and two lackeys as, as the co-founders, and uh, we all pretend to be competitive golfers. But I can confirm uh, you can game your ball. I was um, I was only on the 18th where you were like, oh, yeah, well, I've, you know, I have entered the the USM trials. I was like, okay, so you're a serious golfer. Um, but if you're all ball strikers, then uh, we're not going to have a competitive match. Cookie Jar versus Preferred Lions is not going to happen. And um, Tim, you're from a different sort of part of golf, really, being an architect. Are you, we're at Woking, one of your clubs. What? Tell us about tell us a little bit about your background and how and, and, and the clubs that you're involved with at the moment. Well, thanks, Tom. It's um yeah, nice to be here at Woking. I'm a I'm a Woking resident, uh, Aussie citizen, uh, but but live in Woking. I've been living in Woking 25 years. I'm a bit older than you guys, but um, where did I come from? I came from Australia. I think that was one of the questions. And um, uh, some of the clubs, you know, living in Woking, it's it's the heart of the heathland, and I really enjoyed um, playing a lot of the heathlands, but also now working on on the heathlands mm. um uh you know and and part of our work i think is is just enhancing these beautiful golf courses we're not trying to reinvent you know uh the the, the strategies or 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 you know the characteristics of these courses but just enhance what's already here and make them better and and we're we're, we're really lucky and and honored to be you know we we're working at all the w's woking west hill and Werpleston, uh, which we just completed a big, um, big, big works. Um, St. George's Hill, hopefully a lot of your listeners have been there. It's a pretty remarkable pretty place. Pretty spectacular place, isn't it? And um, some of the other heathlands, uh, Blackmore, we're, we're working there. Um, Burr Hill, which is a Willie Park course uh, just nearby, which is great. I hope I haven't forgotten any of the other projects, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. But uh, you know that's been some some of my my sort of career highlights is working on the heathlands and um, and we hope to work on on a couple more and uh, and we'll see. But it's a unfortunately a very small sort of category of golf. There's there's not you know hundreds of heathlands courses. It's probably in the dozens, I guess. Mm. I haven't taken but they the all number. They seem to be good. That's yeah. the characteristics. Yeah, of and I think I think what's nice in the heathland community is that. There is this appreciation for this landscape that this golf course sits in, and and there is now a, a great movement to to enhance and and um, make sure we we restore this heathland environment as much as possible. Now, now the heathland golf courses are really the gatekeepers of of this landscape because it is a diminishing landscape, and and the golf courses are, are you know really uh, making sure that. Uh, this this precious landscape is is continuing on and and enhancing so you know golf plays a really important role in this landscape yeah and it's hard it is hard to find a difficult heathland golf course in my experience i mean wherever you go the land is just so good and the undulations are so so good the greens here are woking at some of the most fabulous greens you, you, around it's just absolutely brilliant but i think it's it's fair to say that i've i've hitched a ride on your on your your little tour here i mean you two, uh, 
have played a lot some golf together around around on this this trip you know how did you guys meet how have you have you got together and, and what is it that you're doing together at the moment did we meet over beers is that the best way to put it? <laughs> <laughs> are we tim and i met in toronto last year yeah um, a very remarkable golf course that uh, the patrick's a member at the toronto hunt I'll let so, you continue on. Yeah, I guess how do we even get there in the first place? So I was um, I was on the Sunshine Coast of British Columbia last January. My wife and I, we spent a month working remote last January. And uh, I was driving up to the Skookumchuk River, uh, which is uh, just a remarkable body of water. Uh, when the when the tides rise and, and uh, flow, you get these really cool whirlpools um, in this area. And it's a bit of a, a tourist attraction. And I, I noticed this fairway uh, about three kilometers away from the Skookumchuk Narrows. And uh, I said, what, what the hell is that? And uh, just one of the best rumpled fairways I'd ever seen. And it turned out to be a course called Pender Harbor. Um, it's a nine-holer community golf course. And uh, did a quick Google search that night. Saw that Lobin Partners had been hired to do some restoration work there. And three days later, we were uh, filming an episode with their uh, head pro, their head superintendent, and Alex Hay of Lob and Partners. So maybe you can take the Alex Hay background for for how you guys started your Whistler office. But yeah, well, th thanks, Patrick. And it's uh, it's sometimes funny how people meet, but I'm I'm really glad we have. And uh, as you said, it all started in in Canada. I've been lucky enough to to you know find some uh, some good partners um you know along the way and, and alex hay and i have um, been working together for about probably five years now um and alex is is based in whistler and uh you know first of all it started off that you know alex was helping out with some of the some of the works we had over here and then um you know we thought let's give it a go and and uh set up an office in canada and uh and and take it from there and and i'm really pleased we have because um you know from from the british columbia base we've we've found some amazing clients and um and i, I just love the 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 again the, the the landscape and the appreciation for the land that we see in canada and the excuse to go skiing <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible skier, and I haven't taken full advantage of our Whistler office, so I, I do need to take advantage of that. But I just love going over to Canada and uh, and seeing the guys, and um, you know I, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, years ahead, and you know working with Patrick on on some things. I was really pleased, you know, he could come to the UK and see some of the things we're doing over here. Uh, you know, particularly the Heathlands, which is really ingrained in our company. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been exciting, and uh, maybe we can go to some other destinations uh, with you guys as well at Cookie Jar. I was That'd just going to say we got to get the the boys from the Jar over to Canada. I've dropped about three times on this ship. Oh, I've never played Warpaston. I should. Oh, I've never played Western. <laughs> oh, like You're invited. <laughs> But it's uh, before I, I'm going to talk about your trip, Patrick, because it's you know you and your, your brother-in-law Alex sort of come over and uh, and your wives and children uh, to, to come over to the UK. But before I get to that, um, talking about the I don't know a huge amount about Canadian golf, and I think you were saying there, there were some Golden Age architects that have gone over and done some some of the courses out there, which I wasn't aware 
they've done that. Yeah, no, no one's really aware. Uh, on a global scale, I think Canadian golf flies a little bit under the radar. Yeah. Um, certainly, and maybe Japan is the other country that mm. would fit that bill. Like, you know, Harry Colt has done uh, some great work in Japan. Uh, Australia gets its fair share of attention, I yeah. believe, on the global scale, as does the UK and quite a bit, probably mostly in Long Island or California. Um, but yeah, Stanley Thompson would be one of Canada's, if not most famous, I would say, probably, yeah, most famous architect, uh, golden age, did a lot of work in the thirties and forties, uh, actually found his way to South America too. So, uh, he, he did quite a bit of work in, uh, Sao Paulo and Rio. Uh, so there's some courses that Canadians kind of want to migrate to down there and go check out. Um, and also Rod Whitman, uh, has done quite a bit of great work in, in, uh, the current era, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, courses like St. George's, uh, uh, I guess there are three St. George's in the world top hundred, I guess nowadays. And, and the one in Etobicoke just outside of Toronto would be one of them. Um, obviously most golfers on a, on a global scale are aware of Cabot links and Cabot Mm -hmm. cliffs. Uh, there's some other great golf courses, Sagebrush, Capilano, uh, Victoria Golf Club is this really great hidden gem um, in in Victoria, uh, British Columbia. I mean, there are so many great courses in Ontario. Uh, the list goes on. There are yeah. just too many to name. It certainly flies under the radar. It's not somewhere that you know, leaps off the, the page. It'd be like, I need to get to Canada. But like some of the courses, like you mentioned, as you reel them off, I'm like, yeah, they are, yeah, they are good, aren't they? It's um, it's it's it needs to be something that we get out there to do more of. Really, I mean, Tim, speaking, you know, you you as a an Australian native, um, like you just mentioned, Australia does get its fair share of of love when it comes to the, the Australian golf courses. Growing up in in the Melbourne area, do you see you know, you're doing a lot of work now in the Heathland courses? Do you see any similar similarities between the Heathland courses and the Sandbelt out in out in Australia? Well, I think, um, you know, some of the sandbelt, well, yes, I do, absolutely. Um, you know, there, there is a, a, a love for integrating the, the the indigenous landscape throughout the golf course as much as possible. I mean, Kingston Heath is called Heath for a reason because there is a heath there. I think the heath is a bit different to the heathland we see over here in yeah. the UK, but, you know, you see rough and rugged sort of landscape bleeding into the golf course which I love to see, and we mm. saw today playing uh, playing a Heathland course that, you know, the Heathland will, will bleed into the golf course. Um, you know, I've, I've spent a fair bit of time playing on the Sandbelt courses, and I was back there a few weeks ago and played, um, you know, some of them. Um, Yarra Yarra and, and Royal Melbourne uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was fantastic. Um, there is some similarities, but I, I think... It, they're, they are different. They're, they're mm. a different grass type for, for one. Um, you know, you get a bit really more, sharp edges, don't you? Yeah, you've they, got yeah. A, more sharp edges. Um, you know, the green speeds, it was phenomenal again to play in the sand belt because the greens are so fast. Yeah. And it's not just about putting, it's, you know, chipping. And if you're in the wrong spot, you are dead. Mm. Um, so it's kind of the same, but, but a bit different, I would say. What are they stimping at? In the sandbelt? Um, I, I guess, you know, 12, 13 at least, and rock hard. Um, you know, when we play the heathlands here, it's sort of heathland with a bit of pine. You don't really, 
same but different if, yeah. if that makes sense you well, know. We, we were talking on the way around patrick about green speeds i mean i i just think in britain we get used to slow greens i think we get them to sort of 11 and we think like that's uh, that's really quick but you know you you were saying today that yeah that they're, they're nice and that they're, they're a good speed but they're not they're not quick <laughs> i was like they feel really quick to me so I, is it something do you think in australia north america they just get them really really quick well i, I want to even before we go there call out what matters in golf right and it's not necessarily quick greens it's for me at least it's uh what is going through the golfer's mind when they're standing over a shot so whether it's tee to green or around the greens and green speed i think can play a role in that particularly you know when you're thinking of a tucked pin for example or when you know there's a massive contour in a particular corner of a green and and the pin might be over there um but yes definitely i would say golf in north america definitely uh green greens are a little bit faster um does it matter though i don't know i mean i don't think so i think like you say as soon as you as soon as you get the speeds up you can start to to tuck pins a little bit better and it gets a little bit more difficult to um t- to play to certain pin positions and things but no i don't think it does matter I mean, it's all about sustainable sustainability what you can maintain over a, a a long period really i mean you're on a whistle stop tour of that is the uk it's not just it's not england you've done some scotland as well um where is it that you have played on this trip and what has what's been some of the places that have have stood out tim you haven't done all of these the ones that they've done i'm taking you've just done the, the heathland ones yeah just wo- <laughs> working in Werpleston was really the the, the down two, here. two down here but you've done 10 well don't we'll get, bring we'll it up don't story. bring it up <laughs> <laughs> tell us tell us about your trip uh all right so i i guess part of the reason that we're here in addition to a family trip is uh, we were shooting an episode for the first ever AIG Women's Open at Muirfield, um, which is probably getting a little bit lost in translation with uh, the the 150th yeah. Open being in St. Andrews this year. Uh, so we were shooting an episode up at Muirfield, I guess, maybe a week or two ago uh, with the Honorable Company. Uh, but we started out in Cornwall. Uh, we played West Cornwall, which was just a cute, brilliant little links quirky golf course probably eight or nine blind shots uh ended up at saint anadoc which i could rave about for hours we did litham troon i missed prestwick but some others got to play it we can't can't skim over this so just a tiny bit of background uh patrick's just become a father three months old three months old three months old and it's brave to bring a three-month-old on a ten-round golf trip. I love yeah, that. on a ten-round golf trip, one-month golf trip to the UK from Canada. But um, congratulations on becoming a father. Thank you. But father, fatherhood, the duties hit you hard at the first tee at Presswick. Yeah. No, I got a call from my wife saying she wasn't feeling great. We'd played Troon in the morning, and it was a struggle. Uh, that car ride back to Glasgow <laughs> was not fun, but uh, it felt like the right thing to do was to go and support her. Uh, and and uh, so you shouldn't have answered your phone. That was, that's what you did wrong. <laughs> I know. Always mute. I know. Mute. I know. <laughs> but it's good. Honestly, it's good for me to learn that lesson. And uh, but but you, you're traveling with your brother-in-law, Alex. He got to play it. 
He did, yeah. And the first thing he said when he got back to the place was that it was new, his new number one favorite <laughs> golf course that he ever he played. It in for you. So, it's so good. I didn't throw anything at the TV that night. Um, no, it was. It was uh, I, I'm grateful that I didn't get to play it because it taught me something, and I know I'll be back. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, from there we went up, played Dornick, uh, and then Muirfield and uh, Gullen. Some some of my cousins who uh, are working on the preferred lie with me, they flew over and they played Dunbar. I didn't join them for that round. It's a great golf course though, and and then we're back down here in in the Heathlands. Yeah. And what, I mean, was that, what was the standout courses on the way around for you? Because I know when we talked about on the way around, you said that preferred lie was kind of, you felt like you were being misled by the rankings and what was the top 100. It's all about finding, to be fair, you've, you've just reeled off belters that are in the top 100. But is there anything you, you've come across and you think on your travels, you thought, yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. Um, St. Ida Docks stands out for sure on this trip. Yeah, I felt like, you know, the first time I was at North Berwick in 2013, it wasn't quite, you know, as high up as it is in, in today's rankings. And I don't even know if it was in the top 100 at that time. Mm. And uh, I sort of feel like I've been chasing that experience where you have a bit of a lesser known golf course, although in these parts, St. Anadoc, I realize is quite well known. But for me, being from Toronto or in North America, you hear a little bit less about that one than you do some of the others. Yeah. And uh, that was the most unique golf course I'd ever seen. Really? Yeah. And then you get to the Heathlands, and Tim, you have shown, shown Patrick and, and Alex around the Heathlands. Um, it's fair to say the Woking's undergone, this is where we are now, and Warpson's has some changes as well, but Woking's undergone some changes over the, over the last few years. What is it you're trying to... To implement here, there's, I think it's fair to say you've had some some green expansion or trying to reclaim some of the lost greens. That yeah, exactly. Lost. I think, um, you know, that's been an important task that's happened. And, um, you know, Andy Ewens, the, uh, the course manager here, has really taken that on board. Because what's interesting is that, um, you know, Woking is known for its greens and its contours and the challenge that it is. But, you know, over time, the greens have probably shrunk a bit mm. and then... By extending these greens out a bit, you know, we're regaining sort of lost pin positions close to the edge. And, you know, the pin positions close to the edge are often the most exciting. So that's been really good. We know we looked at the third green and the, you know, the back left pin on 12, that famous 12th green, which is which is pretty phenomenal. So, you know, they're getting pins up on the left there. You know, 17 we brought forward probably 10 or 12 feet. So... You know, again, a bit more pin positions. Also, you know, Woking, I love it. Very traditional club, but looking forward. Mm. We've been putting forward tees in as well. So Yeah, no, it's out the way around. Yeah. They're blue. They're blue <coughs> yeah, tees, exactly. Like, yeah. So we're trying to get some really, yeah, some really high quality teeing, uh, teeing grounds in, um, you know, in sensible places where, you know, everyone from, uh, you know, juniors to older members, can still enjoy the working experience. We didn't want to remove uh, the heather carries because that is integral to the golf course. But we wanted, you know, we wanted the golfers of slower swing speeds to be able to enjoy working as they probably always have, but just don't have the ability to do so anymore. So you notice some some forward tees out there. They're properly constructed, irrigation drainage looking fantastic. We've done. Um, 
just in the last winter we did uh, quite a bit of work on the second hole fantastic long par three uh, the big oak to the left um, is, is no more is no more the last time I was here was maybe 18 months ago uh, the last time I played it and that was overhanging the mm, green wasn't it that, yeah. that was, it was yeah. basically in play yeah yeah. And now it's just uh, a ghost. It's not yeah, there. yeah, it is, and you know, um, you know, it's really interesting. You know, we put a lot of heather out to the left. Uh, I think the scale looks correct now. It looks, uh, you know, a, a sort of wide and expansive, almost panoramic view instead of a portrait view. So, um, you know, I think that hole now is uh, quite special, and uh, and really gets your attention after. You know, some might say an easy first hole, and then you know, holes two and three at Woking. If you can it, go par par there, you could you're say it's easy, good Tim. Round. But I mean, when you're telling your playing partner who's never played the golf course, you don't need driver here. You can make the, the game a bit more difficult, can't you, Patrick? Straight around the back of the first. You know what? Okay, so first of all, we'll talk about the panoramic views because they're incredible on the front nine, um, and yes. Probably two iron is a play off the tee <laughs> on number one here at Woking from now on. But yeah, because it all runs away as well. Like, there's no 277 on the cart, but like 220 is all you need. Yeah. 230. It's just a little pat with a five wood. And... But I love how delicate those first 10, 15 yards are of the run up into the green, yeah. right? Like that shot you hit was phenomenal. That punch 70 yard S shot that you had. Yeah, or a little was... seven iron. That was great. Well, how that far was... were you? Were you 50 yards or uh, 70? Yeah, probably. But I had a little. Uh, branch overhanging so just punch and run and you almost hold just it just ran the whole way didn't it yeah it's um it's certainly a course to keep that keeps you guessing on the way around when you've got when you get given access to a heathland course tim that's been here forever and and you know you're now the custodian of the course and, and what's going to happen to it is it difficult to take that responsibility you know and try and improve the course because whatever you do invariably change always receives a pushback and you know you want to widen fairways you want to make greens bigger you want to get rid of some trees you're always going to get a bit of resistance is it difficult to sort of walk the tightrope of keeping the character of the course but still trying to improve it i think that's an excellent question and um it, it, it's it's it is a heavy burden when you come to a course as good as this and you're advising um, you know, on, on the future, so to speak. But to me, it's never a one-person decision. It's, it's, a, it's a discussion that we have with the club and uh, you know, we have ideas that, that we would like to do. I think before, before anything is done, there's a, there's a heavy research period into the course and, and um, and and you know how how it's evolved over time. I, I just showed you some of the the aerial photographs we go through and and researching heavily into um, into the course layout, but also the landscape. Now, for me, a, a big thing that that changes over time is the landscape. And when you're here every day, you don't see it happening. But you know, with the aerial photographs over 20, 30 years, you can see that evolution. Um, but Advising a club like Woking, um, it, it, it doesn't come uh, sort of uh, with a um, sort of a, 
I don't know what what the correct word would be. Um, we don't take it lightly. Mm. Um, it's certainly uh, it's not a fast process, and I'm not saying that because of woking. That's something I like to impose. I don't like to rush um, any sort of um, advisory on on a course of of this nature um, because I think it it requires a lot of consideration. Yeah. And 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 a lot of sort of testing of ideas, and 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 to me, uh, you know, when when we're coming here, we're not we're not the the judge and the jury. We're not saying it's my way or the highway. Mm. It's 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 a suggestion, and it's a, a recommendation, and and you know, hopefully, you know, the club will will see that. Okay, we've got a track record. This has happened in the past. It's worked well. Let's keep going with this. But it's having a very clear line on what the overall vision is. You know, and, and Heathland mm. restoration on, on all these courses in, in, in Surrey and Berkshire is a really um, important driving factor. So that's the kind of way I think about it. You know, it's, it's, it, it really is a team approach, mm. you know, with the course manager, with the secretary, with the pro, and and you know coming up with with the right strategy you know in fact i mean just i'll, I'll finish quickly but you know doing the design is actually the quick bit yeah it's making sure you're making the right decision that's what takes time and that's the important bit yeah it's like it's when, when the golf course changes in design it's it's one of those annoying things you want it to happen you know i've drawn it so yeah can, can we have it now but takes so long for these things to bed in like the you could see from today with the, the the widening of some of those greens that were you're reclaiming some of that land back it's going to take a little bit of time to get that where it needs to be although you the start of the process but it just takes a little bit more time to to get some of that back yeah it, it does take time and uh, you know what is interesting you know when you come you know in some of these clubs where we've been working you know six eight ten years with and and it's it's about like making the first step which, which a lot of things in life is the hardest thing to do. But, you know, making the first step and then, and then just making sure that that first step is the right step is the important thing in my view. And you guys are working together in terms of you, you were out there today doing some filming on some of the greens. You had some really spooky stimp thing that you guys had going uh, on. Yeah, yeah. Dig digital, digital spirit level. So it's really interesting. It's a great bit of kid actually. And uh, we use it a lot, uh, and it gives you the percentage of fall across a green. And uh, yeah, like I was saying to Patrick, like around two percent is what I would aim for if we were doing a new course. And you'll see a lot of you know four or five percent, you know, on on these older courses. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't get away with it now. Yeah, and you talk yeah. about green speed, you know, yeah, you try doing lunch. that at fourteen or thirteen, yeah. forget it. But you, so you guys are doing a, a fair bit of, of of stuff together at the moment. Um, Patrick, with with the preferred lie, you know, you, you said you start, you know, you started off ostensibly as a platform for people to record their golf and you know compile lists and see where they've been. You know, what is the? I, I'm very conscious that we're that we're holding the young lady <laughs> woke and he wants to go home, so I need to to wrap it up, unfortunately. But what does the future hold for for the preferred lie? Where where is the as I think you've gone on a similar journey to us and it's, it evolves very quickly and it evolves in front of your eyes and you, you're, it's always changing. What, 
What, what do you think is, is in the future for preferred lights? Yeah, I think two things to look out for. So one is uh, our app development. So I encourage everybody to go sign up on the preferred lie. Um, you'll be able to save all the golf courses you've ever played, uh, create wish lists, build trips, uh, and you'll have your own rankings. And you'll also get recommendations based on uh, courses that you love um, instead of I make, I'm making up a scenario here, but instead of paying $595 to go play Pebble Beach, which maybe won't be your favorite golf course, here's a golf course on the Isle of Arran at Corrie or Shiskin that might cost you 22 pounds uh, that you're going to fall in love with. So that's uh, the one thing to look out for, but also uh, on the content production side, we'll have a a series coming out uh, this summer, uh, the focus being the AIG Women's Open uh, at Muirfield. And then uh, this winter, you'll see Canadian Classic Season 3 coming out. So a little bit more of a spotlight on Canadian golf. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's something that I've I've watched you work and, and begrudgingly really enjoyed it, which is not I don't like to do with other videographers. But you're putting out some really great stuff. So I do urge everyone to go out there and look at, look at your work. But... Patrick, Tim, thank you so much for letting me join in today. Thank you so much for your time and coming on to chat with me. I know you've all got places to be and wives to see. So thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having us, Tom. Thank you very much. And thanks to you guys for spreading the word on golf. Really, oh, uh, really, it. really no, is awesome. Stop. Keep it going. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Watch this.